0: Um hey welcome to day fifteen. We are in the last week, Joy. Which technically we were in the last week yesterday, <laughs> but uh we're in the last week of our twenty-one days of prayer and fasting. Um man, just been talking to more and more people as they've been going through the fast and finding out more people doing it mm-hmm. and just what uh has been going on in their life and in their prayer life, and it's just awesome, so encouraging. And so, thanks everybody for coming on this journey with us so far, and uh, we want to go ahead and we're going to continue on, I want to jump right into it, so not a lot of small talk today because we've got two chapters again, one comment we did get, we got a couple comments from people to say it's going a little long, <laughs> I'm sorry, and it's because they're trying to fit it in on their lunch hour, yeah. and so our goal is to keep it to 30 to 45 minutes, we've had so much to talk about, it's gone long, and here I am talking again, so We just need to dive in because we got two chapters and man. Powerful.
1: Yeah.
0: Powerful stuff. So buckle up, get a pen, get some paper, get ready. Joy's gonna read the first couple verses because uh I'm reading out of the chronological Bible again, the New Living Translation. And what happens here is about halfway through verse one, uh, it breaks and it is the letter Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, and then you read like part of verse two and the first part of verse three and then there's a stop and it's Paul and it's the letter to the Romans Paul's letter to the Romans so just for the sake of me not having to flip through a whole bunch of pages and try to find my spot Joy's gonna read the first uh, three verses three verses and then I'll take over all again. right
1: chapter 20 when the uproar was over Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia <clears throat> while there he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some of the Jews against his life. So he decided to return through Macedonia. Dang.
0: Several men were traveling with him. They were. It's not that I feel like I have to read just for the record. I don't want to read. Joy doesn't want to read. So if there's anybody out there going, man, he is one controlling person. I'm not. I'd like her to read. They don't
1: think that. But, Keep But uh,
0: anyway, several men were traveling from him. They were Sopitar. And I should have let you read like the first five verses instead. You dirty dog. You knew it, too. Uh, Sopitar, son of Phyrus from Berea. Aristocar Secundus from Thessalonica. Gaius from Derby, Timothy, and Tych- 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 Uh that's not right, and <laughs> from the province of Asia, whole bunch of people from all over the place, all right? Went with him. They went on ahead and waited for us. Now, just a little side note, when mm-hmm. you're going to read in the next couple chapters here, you're going to keep hearing the word us. The reason that the, um, the story has kind of shifted in the way that it's being told is mm-hmm. if you remember Way back at the beginning of all this, we told you that Luke, from the Gospel of Luke, is the one that's writing the book of Acts. Right. Um, And where it says, they went on ahead and waited for us. You're going to keep hearing the word us. We went here. We, us, we, us. You're going to keep hearing that. It's because at this point in Paul's ministry, Luke joins up with him. Mm -hmm. So now Luke is actually on the journey. He's here. He's witnessing everything with Paul as he goes from this point forward. All right. Gotcha. So that's, what the, that's why it's us all of a sudden. Uh, they went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. After the Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia, and five days later joined them in Troas, where we stayed a week. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young woman named Eutychus, young a young man, sorry, named Utica, sitting on sitting on the windowsill became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him and took him into his arms. "Don't worry," he said, "he's alive." Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. <laughs> Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home, unhurt, and everyone was greatly relieved. So.
1: That was an exciting service they A had. lot to
0: unpack right there, okay? Yeah, you could say it was an exciting service because somebody got raised from the dead. Yeah. Or you could say, that was an exciting service. Dude fell asleep and fell out the window. <laughs> all right? Uh, how would you like to say that? I just, okay,
1: <laughs> so... I read that and I was, what struck me the most is the line, uh, verse 11. It says, then they all went back upstairs and shared in the Lord, Lord's supper. <laughs> yeah. And so I literally thought like, can you imagine that communion service?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: So I looked at it from that perspective cause I'm like this dude, this little boy, uh, this, this man fell out the window, dies, he gets raised back to life. And then they go back up and say communion together. And so it just brought me through this thought of like, how, I don't even know how the, how unrespectful sometimes we are during communion Mm -hmm. and how we don't necessarily Mm -hmm. always take it seriously and think about that. Like literally this boy died and he was raised back to life. Why? Because of the power of what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. And so you have, you know, I can't even imagine while they're taking the bread and mm-hmm. the and the the wine and, and it representing Jesus's, you know, blood and body, and the thought of like this is why this boy was raised back to life mm-hmm. is because of what Jesus did for him. Yeah. And I just I, I just thought about their, um, just like it would take on a new meaning. I think <laughs> if you sure, had yeah. seen yeah. something so powerful happen right in front of your eyes, and then you go and take communion together. Yeah. And realize. You know, we do this to remember Jesus paid the price so we mm-hmm. could have life ourselves. Yeah. So just like He physically died and was physically raised to life, we we spiritually died. Mm-hmm. But you know, Jesus ha- has raised us to death, raised us to to life through Him through the cross. Yeah. So yeah, I just kind of looked at it that way of just thinking, wow, what a communion service that would be. <laughs> um and. Yeah, I, don't, I think every time I take communion now, that story might the go through my head. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: what is interesting, because I, I read that a couple other things jumped out. One, um, I'm just always blown away when you read an account like this, and they're so nonchalant yeah, about... the miracles. Because it, it says, he finally fell asleep, dropped three stories to his death <laughs> below. He died. Yeah. It was to his death below. And then they all go outside and Paul went down, bent over him, looked at him, took him in his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. And like, let's go upstairs and take communion now. You know, it was just so nonchalant. Like, yeah, not a big deal. I know he fell to his death, but he's fine now. He's good. You know, and it's just like, no, I don't know. That always (laughs) blows me away. The other thing, and, and people always laugh kind of about this story a little bit of, um, you know, oh man, Paul wouldn't shut up, he talked for so long, guy fell asleep, he passed out, you know, went, fell out the window, died, <laughs> talk about a long sermon, and what I, when I thought, when I read this today, what kind of struck me was a little bit from a different perspective, of the fact that he preached, and he preached, and say how long it was, the first day of the week, he gathered, uh, leaving the next day, kept on talking till midnight, yeah, like, but it's then just, he
1: went on till dawn, but after. then he went on, so...
0: It was this, it was this idea that nobody left Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like this. It just, it's, it jumped out at me of the hunger, Mm -hmm. the absolute hunger. I remember we had, um, you know, our services run about an hour and a half. You guys know that at church and, and I'll be honest with you, I've like tried to shorten up services and I'm like, I'm not gonna preach for as long up.
1: I've tried to shorten them
0: I've tried to shorten podcasts, all this <laughs> stuff. I'm obviously not good at it. All right. And it just stays there. And then a little while ago, I'll be honest with you, like I just because I, I see a lot of a lot of other churches and this is not against anybody, but just a lot of other churches that are like, man, and a lot of church there's a lot of church consultants and stuff out there, and they'll say, you know, you need to keep your services an hour to an hour and fifteen mm-hmm. minutes tops. Mm-hmm. Like an hour and fifteen minutes is the most it should be if you want to attract anybody new to come into the church and all this stuff. And so in my mind, I'm like, man, I gotta, I really gotta shorten stuff up. I gotta stop talking so long. Maybe we need to cut out a worship song here and there. All this different stuff. And a while ago, I just really started feeling convicted about it. Of yeah. no, like it's not. We're just gonna do what we're gonna do, and it's gonna take however long it's gonna take, mm-hmm. and. All of those things and i just read this and i was reminded honestly of a mission trip that i went on years ago one yeah. of the first mission trips i, I went on you telling me. i went to argentina so shout out to the delaretos all right um i went to argentina and i remember going to a church service while we were there and uh you know worship lasted almost an hour yeah. uh the worship was like 30 to 45 minutes long just worship. Pastor preached for close to an hour and then they open up the altars for prayer and there was literally a lineup of people going all the way around the sanctuary. Yeah. And they would come up one side of the stage and the pastor and a couple other people were praying for people in the middle of the platform. Mm-hmm. And then they would go down the other side and there was like a, a almost like a recovery area <laughs> after you got <laughs> prayed for where people could go down, continue to pray, be continue to be prayed for by others. Like some of us were over in that area praying for people. And the service went on for three... It was going yeah. into three and a half hours. They were still going strong. Musicians were still praying mm-hmm. or playing. The prayer was still going. And we were finally like, we got to get up super early. Mm-hmm. So the mission team that I was with, we all left to go back to our hotel room. But it was still going. And they were saying, that's routine. Yeah. Like Services on hungry? average are three to four hours long. Yeah. But it was just a hunger. There's such a hunger that's there. And I, I read that and I thought, man, I, I to get that have that today where people are just like you know what I don't care how long it takes we just want to be here until we meet with God mm-hmm. and like to just have that commitment to press in even if we fall out <laughs> we fall asleep well, we're gonna we hang on there nobody all right?
1: in the window see okay
0: yeah thank goodness we don't have any windows in our church so <laughs> it's it's good it's gonna be okay but it just what stood out to me was the hunger that yes. they had to press in and just hang on yeah. Every word that Paul had to say to hear the message of God. I even think about our friends the at the
1: Arabic Church Rivers of Life. Yeah, and how, like, I remember going A-ro-do. there the first time, and the worship just like that's I'm all about that. It was like an yeah. hour long, maybe longer. Close and, like, yeah. loved it, and, yeah. and we couldn't
0: even understand what they were saying, but it was still no good.
1: half the songs.
0: Half the songs were but in Arabic. You see the came.
1: hunger. Yeah.
0: All right, let's keep going. Uh,
1: Thirteen.
0: Paul went by land to Assos where he had arranged for us to join him while we traveled by ship. He joined us there and we sailed together to Miletus. The next day we sailed past the island of Chios. The following day we crossed to the island of Samos and <laughs> a day later we arrived in Miletus. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem if possible in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when he landed but when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me by the plot, from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, yeah. either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to listen to the next few verses, all right? Paul, you can almost hear just in these words, something is stirring mm-hmm. in Paul. He has something in his heart. He's like, I got to get to Jerusalem. Yeah. And then at the last minute, he kind of pulls everybody together. And you can tell by what he, he's setting them up That's for so, a, an so important boring. message. Yeah. you can just You can hear it in his words. And he's just telling him, I've only had one message. It's not been one message to the Jews, one message to the Greeks. It's been one message Mm -hmm. for all. You need to repent of your sins and have faith Mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ. And then listen to what he says. Verse 22. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. In other words, he has to do it. He's bound by the Spirit. That means that God has told him for him not to go to... This is important because of what you're going to read in a minute here, okay? He is, it's basically, he's at this point where if he doesn't go to Jerusalem, he'll be in sin. Yeah. That's what this means. When I am bound by the spirit, it's not that he wants to go. It's not that he's been asked to go. He has been told to go by the spirit mm-hmm. to Jerusalem. So he has been, I am bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city mm-hmm. that jail and suffering lie ahead. hmm But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, Mm -hmm. the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever, I will ever see again. He knows this is, so just so we understand the story as we're going along here, God has told him, you have to go to Jerusalem. Paul's like, I don't know what's going to happen in Jerusalem. All I know is. Is that there's nothing good for me there. Mm-hmm. All I know is that jail and persecution mm-hmm. awaits me. But I have to go. And I'm pulling you all together and I'm telling you this. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I, I know this. I I don't know what's ahead of me, but I know this. I'm never gonna see you again. Mm-hmm. This is his final this is his final words to them. This is his final goodbyes to a church that he established. Yeah that he gave his life for in a lot of ways. I mean, he's persecuted, thrown in jail, whipped, beaten, mocked, ran out of town, after town, after town, and he just kept coming back. You couldn't, you couldn't keep him down. Right. But he says, now I know uh, you'll never see me again. Verse 26, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know.
1: That gave me chills.
0: <laughs> I, I yeah, same with me. I read that today, and I just thought, wow. Yeah. Could you imagine? Okay, just we we often talk uh, of you know it, it it talks about in the Gospels of standing before God and mm-hmm. and and Jesus speaking to us and saying, "Well done, my good and faithful servant," yeah. right? Uh, and we just think of that and go, oh man, to hear Jesus say those words, mm-hmm. and we just we we live for this with this hope of hearing those words yeah. one day. But Paul had such confidence in mm-hmm. the work that he had done. He mm-hmm. says, and now I know that none of you will ever see me again. And he says, I declare today that I have been faithful.
1: Yeah.
0: How, ma- how, like, how many of us, okay, mm-hmm. myself included, how many of us could stand in, in boldness, with mm-hmm. that kind of boldness in front of everybody that we know? Mm-hmm. Everybody that I've had an influence in their life, Mm -hmm. how many of us could stand there with that kind of confidence and say, I declare, I do declare, (laughs) I have been faithful.
1: And I believe it was not pride; no. it was this. Um, I think
0: he's speaking in such humility yeah, in this whole section. Because right even here.
1: as I saw earlier, just I think yesterday, is this fact of the reason he could say that in honesty is because he gave all of himself. Mm-hmm. And this is what we see in his life: is the he gave all of himself yeah. to Jesus.
0: And then those next words, man, uh, if anyone suffers eternal death, in other words, if anyone goes to hell, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Again. The boldness. Yeah. He says, if anyone goes to hell, it's not my fault because I declared with, 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 how's he say? uh, I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. And Mm -hmm. in other words, he said, I never stopped short.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Paul didn't sugarcoat it.
1: And he had a lot of reasons. He didn't, he didn't, he he didn't, yeah,
0: he didn't make it. He didn't tell a fluffy gospel. He didn't, he didn't try to make people comfortable He said, I never shrunk back from telling you what God wanted you to know. I've told you everything there is to know. Mm -hmm. And so if you miss out on the eternity with Jesus, Mm -hmm. it's not on me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's on you. You chose that because I gave you everything that you needed. And how, again, the heaviness of Mm -hmm. it is in our life. Can we walk away from every relationship that we have? Every person that we've come in contact with. Can we walk away from it going, listen, if you don't make it to heaven, it's not on me. Mm-hmm. I, I understand the weightiness of these words. I've, I don't know if I've ever told the story at church, but, um, when I was in high school and, and I know we're going to go long again, I can already feel it, <laughs> but we're going to whip, we're going to whip through some stuff. Okay. But I just, I, I feel like I need to tell the story. I remember being in high school. I had a will uh, tell it as quickly as I can. There was a guy that I went to school with. His name was Mark. And, um, Mark was in a bunch of my classes. We were in a bunch of classes together. I wouldn't say we were friends. We had connections that were friends, but we knew each other well. Okay. Um, he lived in this little tiny town that I worked in. I lived in the next town over, but I worked in this little tiny town and he would come in. I worked in a convenience store. He would come into the store all the time. We'd sit and ta- talk and stuff. We, I think we partnered on a few projects at school. I knew him, yeah. and I knew Mark. I always say it this way. I knew Mark well enough to know that he was not a Christian. I knew Mark well enough to know that he didn't come from a good home. His dad was an alcoholic. I know that because mm-hmm. his dad used to come into my store all the time drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I knew Mark's home life. I knew Mark well enough to know that he wasn't a Christian. Um, i i I never I never talked to Mark about church. I never talked to Mark about Jesus. I uh, never witnessed to him. And uh, the year we graduated, I moved away and um, I I kept in touch with some friends from that town and stuff and and I found out that that summer we graduated and that summer, Mark and his family, they had gone on vacation and while they were on vacation, they were driving through an intersection and a drunk driver ran the red light coming the other way and T-boned them, hit them broadside in the car um, the reports were that the car almost immediately burst into flames with the whole family. Mark mm-hmm. and his whole family trapped inside the car and um, they just they burned to death. nobody could save them and so they they died and and I remember hearing that story and just feeling broken yeah. inside uh, just because it was somebody that I knew. honestly in the beginning it was just I, it was somebody I knew we were young, you know we were 18, 19. And just young. And, and this guy was so smart, had an incredible future ahead of him. And then it was like a, a month or two later, probably. And I was reading, I was actually reading the story of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And and it was like, God just spoke into my heart. And I just had this sudden realization. And it wasn't God like condemning me or yeah. anything like that. It was just this sudden realization that as far as I know, unless... From the time that we graduated to the time that he died, which was only a couple of months, unless somebody else spoke into Mark's life, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mark was in hell. Mark didn't know who Jesus was. And I never did anything to stop that. Mm -hmm. And it was this this sobering moment in my life of knowing that I'd had an opportunity Mm -hmm. to speak into somebody's life. And I never took it. Mm -hmm. And not just Mark, but so many other people that I'd, that I'd had around me in, mm-hmm. the, in those times, in those days, and it just became this, this constant reminder, and again, I don't feel condemned over it, it's not like God beat me over the head and made yeah. me feel guilty and ashamed or all that stuff. It was just a sobering yes, thought yes. of you know, and then you read about Paul here we're saying
1: uncomfortable with those sobering moments.
0: Absolutely, yeah. But
1: I believe God can use them. And it was
0: a... it was life changing yeah. for me. It really was. It was it was a cha- It was a moment that I I've never forgotten. Uh, it wasn't too long after we were married. So I mean, this is going back almost twenty years now. Mm-hmm. This moment, and it's still like when I tell the story, it still resonates mm-hmm. deep inside of me. That that. I don't want to feel that feeling again. Right. I don't. I don't want to feel that again. I don't want somebody that I've I've known, somebody that I've interacted with. I don't want something to happen to them, and I have to struggle or yes. go through the thought: Man, did mm-hmm. I do everything that I could? Yes. Was Was I as Was I as bold as I needed to be? Did I tell them everything that God wanted me to tell them? Mm-hmm. I don't ever want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I, w- I want to be able. To do what Paul said. so that, that's what I thought of when yeah. I read this that's it
1: it's he- it's heavy but I yeah. think we can yeah those are the no- moments we need yeah. to uh just let God use
0: yeah we ought to understand the seriousness of what it is that, of the message that we have
1: mm-hmm.
0: we've got to understand it we've got to know what the serious the seriousness and the heaviness of what it is eternity is a heavy topic yeah it is and there's truth in it and so we've just, we've got to, we've got to be willing to, to do mm-hmm. all that we can. All, we got to be able to do everything, seize every opportunity, mm-hmm. as we've been saying all through this, seize every opportunity that we yeah. can. Let's go. Uh, verse 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed the shepherd, uh, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, Mm -hmm. not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you, night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance (laughs) with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine work to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, when he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that he would never they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. Can
1: you just hear the pain as he has to leave them? Yeah. You know, obviously I think it's affecting them, but just the pain that he feels in leaving them. Mm-hmm
0: just incredible it just again i think shows the relationship but also the influence Mm -hmm. uh there and he really was he really was a shepherd to them Mm -hmm. he really was um a spiritual daddy Mm -hmm. you you could say all right
1: before you go on if you go back to verse 24 Mm -hmm. it stood out to me when it talked about um he's talking them you know through what what his calling and he says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. And mm-hmm. I just, I felt this question within myself, you know, this question to us as believers reading this. And it's this thing of like, is there assignment? What assignment has God given you that he wants you to live out and finish well? Yeah. You know, cause, um, you know, no matter what it is, sometimes we lose heart along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think I love that phrasing, finish well. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes, again, you, you may start out in this, here's what I'm going to do for God. I know he's called me to this, you know. He's called me to be a godly parent to my children and teach mm-hmm. them. And then things come up along the way and we just get frustrated and lose our path as parents. Or maybe it's our marriage or ministry, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But, like, I love that. A wording of finish well because we just have to um, come back to that and not waste it. Like Paul's yes. looking at it, saying, uh, "My life is no no value to me if I don't finish well." Mm-hmm. If and so, just I think that's a reminder to us of what is God. You know, as we have taken this time for the prayer and fasting, and we've prayed and we're seeking God. Is there anything that maybe we're we're kind of you know, falling along the wayside that he's called us to do that we're not finishing and to come back to it renewed and find the purpose again. Mm -hmm.
0: That's the thing. And that's, that's the thing with God. And again, I always talk about God being a a God of restoration or a God of redemption, you know, and I think it's an important thing to always remember that no matter how much you've failed and if you feel like you've let God down, if you feel like you've, um, you know, you've, you've given up on the calling that maybe you felt like at one time God had on your life. Yeah that it's never too late to turn back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the important thing is to finish well. Mm-hmm. Is it's just it's not it's not where you gave up in the middle. Yeah. It's how do you finish? So yeah. finish well. Yeah. Yeah. And even if uh, related to the fast right now, maybe you started off these 21 days of prayer and fasting and you're like, "Man, I wanted to do the book of Acts the whole <laughs> way. I stopped at chapter 3." Man, just keep reading. Mm-hmm. If it takes you beyond the 21 days, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Finish it. Yeah. It's it's important to finish what you feel called to do. If you started the fast and you cheated one day or something like that, or you just kinda slipped up, fell, whatever, gave into a craving, it's okay. Pick up and start again. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so important. It's, it's finishing well. It's yeah. always picking up and keeping on going. Yeah. So um, we're gonna go into chapter 21. And this is, if you remember again, Paul knows he doesn't know exactly what's coming in Jerusalem. He knows nothing good. He knows yeah. he's not going to get back around to these churches again. So these first uh, few verses here is really you almost get the you almost get the impression he's on like a farewell tour, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's just going around to all these churches. So, uh, verse twenty or chapter twenty-one. After saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, we sailed straight to the island of Kos. Uh, the next day we reached Rhodes, and then went to Patra. Uh, There we boarded a ship sailing for Phoenicia. We sighted the island of Cyprus, passing it on our left, and landed at the harbor of Tyre in Syria, where the ship was to unload its cargo. We went ashore, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. Now, you might read that and go, uh, you know, Paul was pretty adamant about the fact that he was supposed to go to Jerusalem. These guys are prophesying that he shouldn't go mm-hmm. um is that a contradiction mm-hmm. did Paul miss it or did they miss it yeah. um i think the most likely scenario is that god was might have been giving them and i can't say for definite i'm just giving what i think possibly happened there is that god's giving them a clear direction on what's going to happen to yeah. paul when he goes they they very well they well, see
1: danger and they this. have been yeah. getting
0: the same word that paul got which was yeah. there's nothing but jail and suffering ahead of you yeah and so they're taking that and they're interpreting that as "don't go." Mm-hmm. But thankfully, mm-hmm. God had already instructed Paul on what his mission was, on where he was supposed to go, had already told him the bad news, mm-hmm. and prepared him for um, for this. And yeah. and because you're gonna keep seeing it, where they keep. Do you have anything to add there? If not, just, I'll it just yeah. makes
1: me think about maybe we, if we have the gift of prophecy, maybe we need to be careful how we in, that we don't interpret for it for someone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: If we have a word to just, here's the word. Yeah. And we've had people like that in our lives that are just go, you know, I don't know what this means, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this. And so you take it and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's, you're like, I I don't know what that means, but I'll, I'll file it away. And when God reveals it. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, uh, cause I'm going to say more about this in a second, but we'll keep going. Verse six uh, or five, sorry. When we returned to the ship at the end of the week, the entire congregation, including women and children, left the city and came down to the shore with us. Mm -hmm. There we knelt, prayed, and said our farewells. Then we went aboard and returned home. Again, farewell to her. you
1: think he was loved?
0: Yes. (laughs) The next stop after leaving Tyre was uh, Ptolemus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed for one day. The next day we went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food, going all the way back to the Mm -hmm. beginning of Acts. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. Several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound Mm -hmm. his own feet and hands with it. So this is an idea Mm -hmm. of what I was just saying here, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, He came over to Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet with it, then said, the Holy Spirit declares, So shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So in other words, their prophecy was very similar to what Paul already knew. Nothing but chains, jail, and persecution when you get to Jerusalem. There's
1: not any contradiction outside of them persuading him, don't go. Trying to persuade
0: him not to go. And so verse 12, when we heard this, we and the local believers, so this is Luke that's been traveling with him. Mm-hmm. He's saying we, mm-hmm. so this is Paul's companions that have been with them. I'm sure Paul, we know that Paul has already shared what God told him, yeah. but here's what he's saying. We, we all begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem, yeah. but he said, why all this weeping? <laughs> you are breaking my heart. <laughs> I'm not, I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And so we just see it a couple of times there where, yes, people were giving prophecies. Uh, in other words, they're telling Paul, this is what I feel like God is saying is going to happen to you in Jerusalem. Please don't go. Yeah. What they didn't understand or maybe they weren't comprehending fully was the fact that God had already told Paul all of this. All this really was was a confirmation, which is what I always say. People sometimes wonder, like, how should I take a prophecy? And I always say a prophecy should confirm something. When somebody comes to you and says, I have a word of God for your life, Mm -hmm. that word of God should confirm Mm -hmm. something that God has already said in you. Mm -hmm. All right. I've been told some weird stuff. Uh, I always joke about it. I had somebody come and say, the Lord told me we're supposed to get married. And I said, awesome. When God tells me that, That was
1: not, my it was line, not joy.
0: All right. I told joy that, um, no, but I had somebody tell me that. and I said, that's great. When God tells me the same thing, I'll give you a call. Okay. Because like it, it, we, this is, this is the part of the scripture that says we are to test the prophets, mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that it is a word from God. One of the ways that we know a couple ways, one, it should line up with scripture. Yeah. So God never contradicts Himself. So if anybody walks up and says, "Hey, um, God told me that you're supposed to get divorced. You're supposed to leave your husband. Mm-hmm. Supposed to leave your wife," the Bible says God hates divorce. Mm-hmm. That's probably not a word from God. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you need to con- you need to con- yes. line it up with the word of script with the word of God. The other thing is that it should confirm either confirm something that God has already said in mm-hmm. your life. Or you need to hang on to it until God sometimes does confirm it's a it, weight, yeah. and sometimes it's it's by the word of two or three witnesses. Yeah. You know, you'll have two or three people tell you the same thing. I've had, but it's very much a confirmation. I had a
1: prophecy that was said to me when I was sixteen, and it didn't apply until fifteen years later.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you just need to watch that. And so what you see here is is God gave Paul his own word, yeah. and then as he travels and says his goodbyes, these prophets are coming forward and going, "Hey." Like hell is waiting for you in Jerusalem. You need to not go. And Paul's like, "That's cool. I already know."
1: It almost reminds me of just the whole the when when Jesus was trying to warn the disciples and tell them what was happening, mm-hmm. what was coming, and they're like, "No, Lord," you know. Yeah. And so it's this. Well, even that was persuasion. even yeah,
0: that was even the thing with Peter, right? Mm-hmm. Is when Peter tried to come and talk yeah. to him, he says, "Get behind me, Satan." Yeah, yeah. It's like he was being tempted to not do what he was supposed to be yeah. doing. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's really neat that really what these prophecies were, were confirmations of what God had already told Paul. Paul recognized that. So he's like, seriously, guys, you're breaking my heart here. This is already hard enough to say goodbye to you. Uh, Just let me go, though. I know I'm supposed to go. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm supposed to go. All right. Um, Verse 15. After this, we packed our things and left for Jerusalem. Some believers from Caesarea accompanied us. And they took us to the home of Ma- Mason? I don't know if the silent hen. I don't know. Sure. A man originally from Cyprus and one of the early believers. When we arrived, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us warmly. The next day, Paul went with us to meet with James, and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. After greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles. Through his ministry. So now he's in Jerusalem. He's telling them everything that he has seen in the last few years. After hearing this, they praise God and then they said, You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed, and they all follow the law of Moses very seriously. But the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the law of Moses. They've heard that you teach them not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. What should we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. Here's what we want you to do. We have four men here who have completed their vow. I'm, I'm going to go back to, I believe, is the Nazarite vow that we mm-hmm. talked about uh, yesterday, the other day before, okay? Um, go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads ritually shaved and then everyone will know that the rumors are all false and that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile believers, they should do what we already told them in a letter. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. We read all that yeah. the other day. So, um, you got something? No. Oh, okay. Um, so here, you might look at that and go, isn't, this, isn't Paul being a little hypocritical? Uh, because he's already said, like, you know you don't have to do all these things why Mm -hmm. is he participating in these customs sounds like they're trying to manipulate people and so it it really you kind of got to look at it this way is paul submitted himself to these uh jewish customs uh, really in an effort to keep peace Mm -hmm. because they were coming in with all these accusations well none of the accusations were Were true, true right but it was also this thing of okay um, I just, I want to show them that I do. I, Paul was a Jew, yeah. like he was Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and so he, he really was doing it to keep the peace. And the reason for it is because these were what we call in the church. These were non-essentials. Yeah. All right. There are essential truths. When it comes to the gospel, Jesus is the son of God. Mm -hmm. He was born to the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. He died. He rose again three days later. We are saved by grace, Mm -hmm. not by works. These are all essentials to believing in Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. All right. The fact is, is that the Jewish customs, they weren't essential. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the point Paul had made earlier in saying that the Gentiles didn't need to follow the laws and customs because that's not what got you saved. However, if the Jews that were coming, becoming believers in Jesus, as long as they believe that they were saved by grace and through the cross of Mm -hmm. Jesus, um, and, and, and that was salvation only came through that and not through works. If they wanted to continue to keep the laws as customs, as, as these boundaries Mm -hmm. and, and all that, there was nothing wrong with that. So Paul's like, you know what? I can get on board with this. If this is going to make everybody happy, I can do this. And it was really, you know, Paul talked about in another letter that he wrote um, to the Jew, a Jew, to the right. Gentile, right. a Gentile, not to be hypocritical, but so that I may, th- b- by doing that, yeah. I can reach as many people as possible.
1: And don't you think it's, it's pretty similar to what we read the other day when he had Timothy circumcised?
0: Yes. It's yeah. Same kind it's of a very idea. Same concept. Absolutely. Uh, let's go. We're, we're running out of time, Joy. we got to stick to our 45. Okay. So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual, this ending of the vow. He publicly announced the date when their vows would end and the sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple and they roused a mob against him. Here comes the mob again. They grabbed him yelling, men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. You notice how it's a few loud voices. It's a few loud voices that don't like what he's saying. And they rile everybody else mm-hmm. up and and say, hey, this guy's offending you. You realize that's what a mob does, right? Yeah. Is they go to people that are okay, yeah. that are calm, that really don't have any issues. And the mob tells them, hey, yeah. this guy's offending you. You're offended. Yeah. And so join us because you're offended by what he's saying too. And then they yell and so many people start yelling and screaming that they soon... Begin to believe, oh, maybe I am offended. I don't know. They grabbed him yelling, men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple. Never done that. And even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. He did do that. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus. And they assumed, wasn't true but they assumed that Paul had taken him into the temple the whole city was rocked by these accusations and a great riot followed Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple and immediately the gates were closed behind him as they were trying to kill him trying to kill him word reached the commander of the regiment, Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar his he immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Mm. Then look at verse 33. Then the commander arrested Paul Mm. and ordered him bound with two. The guy that's being beat to death is the guy that gets arrested. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Listen to this. Some shouted one thing and some another. Again, people can't agree on what it is that he's done wrong because he hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah. They're just offended but they're all offended for different reasons yeah. because they think they know. They think that Paul's doing something horrible it's like and
1: flying yeah. accusations.
0: It's just is flying around everywhere. Since he couldn't find out the truth and all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent. <laughs> the soldiers had to lift them to their lift him to their soldiers to pre- shoulders. <laughs> to protect him and the crowd followed behind shouting kill him kill him as paul was about to be taken inside he said to the commander may i have a word with you the guy's been beaten (laughs) they're trying to kill him he gets arrested pardon me sir might i have a word with you all right that's a terrible accent uh do you know greek the commander asked surprised Aren't you the, this is funny, aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out in the desert? In other words, there's this guy that did all that, all right? And this guy, this this soldier is just, he's just assuming that Paul must be this guy. This guy was horrible. And so these guys are trying to kill They're Paul. Bad. You must be like this really bad dude, right? And Paul's like, yeah, nope. that's, that's not who I am. No, Paul replied, I'm a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia. Which is an important city. Please let me talk to these people. The commander agreed. So Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon, a deep silence enveloped the crowd and he addressed them in their own language, (laughs) Aramaic. Mm -hmm. What's interesting in that, and and we're done. What's interesting in that is just when Paul spoke to the Roman commander, Mm -hmm. he spoke Greek. Yeah. And then when he spoke to the Jews standing out there, he spoke Aramaic. And again, here is Paul trying to relate to people on whatever. And so he was really showing, um, you know, uh, he's showing respect and Mm -hmm. honor to to both parties and showing wisdom. And again, just constantly, even in the face of death and arrest and all of that he's facing, he's still trying to reach people on the level. Uh, on every level that he can. So just incredible. Incredible story.
1: Cliffhanger. Though. Yeah,
0: cliffhanger. It just ends <laughs> right there. He's Paul's about to speak. And then Paul turned to the crowd and said <laughs> Chapter twenty two. You tomorrow, gotta wait till tomorrow right? or you
1: can read it ahead of time.
0: Or you can read it ahead of time. All right guys. Um let's pray. <laughs> and then we'll let you go. Powerful, powerful words. I would encourage you to go through, read that again. Read it. And slow. just let the Holy Spirit it's sobering l- just bring these words to life inside of you how does it affect you Mm -hmm. what's the application for your life all Mm -hmm. right father we just thank you so much for these words god we thank you that we have this this is one of those times god where i just read the you read your word and i'm so thankful for your word i thank you for the encouragement that it gives but also for the challenge that it presents in my life god i want to be a paul yes jesus i want to be like you But i want to be a paul Mm -hmm. i want to be able to declare at the end of my life knowing my life is coming to an end i want to declare i've been faithful i want to declare that i've done everything that i can do i want to declare that nobody that i know is going to go to hell because of me because i didn't say something to them but that instead god i can boldly stand there and confidently stand there and say i've said all that i was supposed to say i've done all that i was supposed to do i've reached and I've, uh, God, I've been faithful. Yes. I've been obedient. God, I just want to be obedient. So, Lord, challenge us. Yes. Challenge us to rise to the occasion that is before us. Mm-hmm. God, we are in a world that desperately needs you.
1: Yeah.
0: So, God, let us be the voice mm-hmm. that tells others about you, that points people towards you. Yes, Jesus. God, use us. I pray. Ch- I pray these words would be a challenge. Let them challenge us, God, to be used by you. Yes. God, no matter what the future holds, no matter how scary it may seem, no matter what other people do and maybe try to even discourage us, God, may we be so confident yes. in our callings mm-hmm. and giftings and purpose in life that we yes. would go forward no matter what anybody yes. else says. God, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you speak to us, that you use us. And God, we just want we just want to be obedient and faithful to you. So help us. Give us that boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Bye, guys. Coming in
0: the last week, stay strong, finish well. (laughs) All right, we'll see you tomorrow for day 16. God bless. Uh, Join us, lunch with PB&J. Peace.